0: So thank you all for joining us today um, to hear Scott talk to us about about tax issues with the, I assume that these are all apolitical tax issues and it's just stuff we have to deal with. Um, But anyway, um, so Scott is here. I want to acknowledge the presence. Uh, Well, firstly, welcome. I know most of you and the ones who I don't know, welcome. I'm going to mention specifically the people on our team, Bob, who is my partner here at Imperial Advisory, Um, Simon, who we also call Buddy, who's in the top corner of my screen, and then Aris, who's here as well, and Rebecca, who put all this together. So thank you all for being here, and thank you to all of our guests. Um, This may end up being a podcast. We're we're working on trying to figure out how to do that. Um, So I guess stay tuned. Your questions might end up on a podcast. If you don't want them to, let me know. We'll edit that out. Um, and without further ado, thank you, thank you, Scott, for joining us today, and we look forward to hearing your insights. Uh, my pleasure, Gershon. But before
1: I get started, it looks like Aris has a question. <laughs> you, you got your hand raised there, Aris. <laughs> in in any event. No, I just was waving hello. (laughs) I was just waving hello. I know, I know. Well, welcome everybody. My name is Scott Chess-Lewitz. I'm from the firm Rothenberg and Peters PLLC. My partner Neil Peters is right there in one of your screens and um, it's a pleasure to be here today. You know, there's always a lot going on, not just in Washington, but New York as well, in New York City as well. And we need to try and understand what has happened and what potentially may be happening. You know, just because there was a, a you know, a 21 senator agreement the other day on infrastructure does not mean that that is what we're gonna end up getting in the long run. Incidentally, there were no tax increases put forth to fund that particular infrastructure program with an expenditure of 1.2 billion over um, trillion, over eight years. And, but the sidebar agreement is that that will be coupled, with a human interest infrastructure program. And that will have a lot of the tax increases and changes that you've heard in the past. I'm I'm not sure what, it's too soon for details. And if you know Washington, you know that nothing happens right away. There is not only you know, horse trading between the parties, but intra-party. Let's face it, the midterm elections are coming up in 22, and everybody wants to keep their job. So, it's one thing to say we're going to do this and that uh, when when you're running for president. It's another thing to get everybody to align and agree on those things. When potentially it may be against their interests or the interest of their constituents, so there's a lot of horse trading that goes in, on in Washington, and you probably won't see anything really until the fall, maybe even the winter. And then there's also discussion about, you know, retroactive. Will will any of the uh, laws bill the bill becomes law? When it's passed, will any of those be retroactive? And the interesting thing about retroactivity is that you can't create a new law and have that become retroactive, but you can use an existing law, for example, the tax rates. You can increase tax rates because you're not creating a new law. And that President Biden has discussed doing some things going back to April. So, you know, sometimes things are thrown out there for the purposes of negotiation. You're all business people, you know this. And uh, then you have to say, well, what's the piggyback effect at the state level, right? So, a lot remains to be seen, a lot remains to be agreed on. And then Details. Details don't happen overnight either. A lot of times when bills become law, and even when they take a while, we need clarification. And clarification doesn't happen immediately in, in, in all cases either. So expect some holes in the Swiss cheese as to whatever comes out. And then, you know, expect clarifications down the road. So That's my preamble. My name again, Scott Cheslowitz. You can uh, see our website, RothenbergPeters.com and you'll see my smiling face, my partner's smiling face. We treat people the way we want to be treated. You know, sometimes we lose sight over the fact that it really comes down to people. And do we really need to be told customer satisfaction should be a focus i really ask you that <laughs> i mean i read a lot of things in terms of how to build your business and they they mentioned customer satisfaction well you know what i think we all know that and most people i think take that into consideration when running a business so when i give advice my partner gives advice it's all about quality of life decisions first and by the way You take care of the whole, it takes care of the parts. So I won't tell anybody to do something that goes against my core the way I don't live my life. And sometimes people let the tax tail wag the planning dog, you know? So we wanna grow our businesses. We wanna do it in a healthy way. We wanna keep as much of the profits as possible. But again, it has to make business sense it has to make economic sense, and, and it has to affect our quality of life or our business's quality of environment in a healthy way. So having said that, I'm going to move on to a few things. I want to start with New York State a little bit and you know what was put forth in New York State. I have my cheat sheets here, of course, so try not to forget anything. I'm going to jump around a bit. But- New York state, if you're a state and city resident now, you could be in the highest taxing jurisdiction in the country, even more so than California, because depending upon your income, the New York state tax heights, coupled with New York city taxes, coupled with your federal taxes, put you at risk to pay the most taxes in the country. So we're seeing a lot of uh, businesses and people flee the state. In fact, before the law, New York State expected to lose $39 billion over the next four years. Now, that's not healthy for the New York economy. It's not a way to increase the revenue rolls and do a lot of things they wanna do. They've done some good things as well. We can't lose sight of the fact that, you know, for, for everything that they they do, something's got to give a little bit. I mean, what COVID did to our country is causing some of my next discussion, of course. But, you know, the good news is they, they did create certain credits, restaurant return to work credit. There's a musical and theatrical production credit. They extended various other credits. They're authorizing adult use of cannabis. That's an and, and sports betting, by the way, that's an area that you can um, you you can tax and regulate, right? The thing is to tax it wisely, not like what California did at first in the cannabis industry, because what they did was the ones that wanted to come above ground, and 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 cooperate and operate within the guidelines of the law, ended up being put at a disadvantage to the competitors who didn't want to operate in in, in accordance with the law. They they couldn't, the ones who came above ground couldn't afford the regulation fees and the taxes. So we want to do all this wisely. It's very important. New York is going to impose a sales tax on Airbnb, you know, uh, companies like that to gain revenue. Um, They want to extend the interest-free uh, on, on $100,000 or more sales tax refunds. So there's various things New York State is going to do, some good, some not so good. Um, they're looking to generate $1.5 in extra in additional taxes. This was done before all the federal aid came in. Governor Cuomo expected a $15 billion shortfall. States can't operate in a deficit. They have to have a balanced budget. Some of these things I'm telling you, you already know. That was the governor's estimate. They're not there thanks to the help from Washington. Um, few states like California, New York, and New Jersey, they're high tax jurisdictions. But I think what brought all this into focus was the Tax Cousin Job Act in 2017, that was, that was signed into law at the end of 17. These were high cost of living states to begin with. But now all of a sudden, you're not getting the deductions that you used to get. And that just amplified the fact that, gee, it costs much more to live here. So I think there was a psychological hit there. And a lot of people started fleeing, California, New York, various, uh, New Jersey. Some jurisdictions, they go to low, low tax jurisdictions like Nevada, Florida, Texas, you know, but New York has always been a high cost of living state. We need to get our strut back. Incidentally, what COVID did was it, it caused a lot of people to work from home. So if you work in one state, because let's face it, you could not, let's, let's take Connecticut and New York you normally worked in the office in New York and you you couldn't go into the office, right? You had to to work from Teams or Zoom or something like that. The states for the most part are saying that, you know what, if not for COVID, you would have been working in New York. So that income is taxable in New York. And New Hampshire, where you don't pay a New New Hampshire uh, income tax, tried to take a case to Massachusetts, uh, against Massachusetts to the Supreme Court, because Massachusetts went by what I just mentioned. They said, well, you know what? If it wasn't for, if not for COVID, you'd be working in Massachusetts and your employer really didn't establish a business in New Hampshire, because that's key also. So we're gonna tax you as if the income was earned in Massachusetts. So New Hampshire said, I want to bring this to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court decided they do not want to hear the case. And they have their reasons for doing that. They it may eventually get there through the system when individuals challenge New Hampshire. It goes through appeals. It may end up in the Supreme Court that way. So stay tuned. But for the most part, realize that the states look at this as low hanging fruit, right? Because if you're a resident of one state and not the other, then you're not you're not a voter, you know? So they don't need to please the non-voters, do they? And it, they look at it right now as low-hanging fruit, and they're going to go after, you know, those people that were not paying taxes in the particular state where they otherwise would have. That's a word of caution, and that pretty much just came down. I'm going to be shuffling papers around. Um, Fortunately for New York, and I think I'm dealing with mostly New York residents, Gershon, right? So mostly New York businesses. So fortunately for New York, depending on, and and again, I'm not political, you know, Schumer's in a very high position in New York and he can help New York a lot. And it's brought a lot of aid to New York. And that's a good thing because that, huge deficit that Governor Cuomo was worried about is not so huge, obviously, because the federal aid that came in, and and that's a good thing to think about. Um, In any event, you know, they're going to keep up the legislative efforts, and right now, if you're a state and city resident, and you're in the highest bracket, that's 14.7% and the SALT cap limitation is $10,000 a year. The SALT cap limitation, if you remember, is your state and local taxes and your real estate taxes. And it used to be whatever it was, it, not counting AMT, alternative minimum tax, and you can take that itemized deduction. So. Hopefully in Congress, they'll bring up the issue of the salt cap limitation. There are a lot of senators that say, you know, instead of 10,000, let's make it 25,000. Instead of 25,000, let's eliminate it. The issue with eliminating the salt cap limitation and why President Biden isn't, I'm sorry about that. I've got phones all over the place. The reason why President Biden is not really counting that in anything he wants to do right now is they need the revenue to pay for other things that the Biden camp wants to do. And that's a fact. Let's talk a little bit about the SECURE Act. I looked at the SECURE Act as a money grab because it eliminated the stretch IRA. And the stretch IRA essentially said that, you know what, if you qualify then the beneficiary's life will dictate how long you can go out in terms of taking distributions. So it allowed you to stretch the distributions, decrease the tax, possibly manage your rate bracket right, because you could determine what the distributions had to be, the withholdings, all of that. So. The stretch IRA pretty much was eliminated, and now the law is that you need to take out the inherited IRA money within 10 years. Now, originally, the IRS made a, a mistake on that, and they said you have to take it out pro rata over 10 years. That's not the case. You can take it out all out in year 10. You need to manage your income though, especially where brackets are going because you've got to say, if I take it all out in year 10 and I push myself into the proposed highest bracket, you know, I'm losing out perhaps. I'm getting less of my money in my pocket. So you always wanna manage your your IRA distributions. There are exceptions to the 10-year rule. The exceptions to the 10-year rule are the spouse of a decedent, beneficiary who has disability or chronic illness, a beneficiary who is not more than 10 years younger than a decedent. Incidentally, also a minor child who receives an inherited IRA, okay, they can take out based on the child's age of life, uh, the life expectancy tables based on the child's age until the child reaches majority. Then the 10-year rule kicks in. So you need to also understand that if you were taking IRA distributions prior to when the SECURE Act kicked in, This doesn't apply to you. The old law applies to you. So you have the stretch. Just keep that in mind and you'll go a long way. Other things the SECURE Act did, uh, the SECURE Act said that, you know what, you can take $5,000 out penalty-free, not tax-free, from the IRA upon the birth or adoption of a child. So you're not gonna get hit with the 10% penalty if you're under 59 and a half. Very important. A lot of people aren't aware of that. I'm just gonna keep turning my pages. I have my cheat sheets here. Um, IRA, age cap is eliminated. It used to be at 70 and a half, you can no longer put money into an IRA. That is eliminated. As long as you have earned income, you can keep funding the IRA. So I want you to be aware of that. That may be very helpful in determining cap uh, taxable income. There's chalk, and I'll get to that when I talk about Secure 2.0, on raising the limit for IRA and 401k contributions, which are needed. So bear that in mind more people can take advantage of what used to be a multi-employer, multiple employer plan. So used to, you used to have a commonality. Companies in the same industry, right, for example, can be a part of something larger. The benefits of a, a multiple employer plan is you decrease the amount of administrative work, and you decrease the cost. So more companies now can find a multiple employer plan and be a part of that. This way you can put away more money towards retirement. The good thing about that is if it's a 401k, you can put away a lot more and offer your employees a a nice benefit in terms of trying to get labor, which is hard today, And not be stuck with the administrative cost of having your solo 401k plan. And uh, it's something that everybody should think about. You need to think about retirement. It gets all, you you know, it gets later early as Yogi Berra used to say. I mean, I remember when I was 25 years old. Rebecca, I have a great memory, by the way. (laughs) So the bottom line is, Take control of your future. Start thinking about these things now. Put away as much as possible. So those are some of the things from the SECURE Act. I wanna mention to you SECURE 2.0. That's something that is a bipartisan bill right now. Yes, I did say bipartisan, (laughs) you heard me correctly. So SECURE 2.0 is all good as far as I'm concerned. And I think this is going to have a tailwind. And I think this stands a chance of getting through in one form or another. Right now, it's just a bill. So right now, I, I mentioned that the SECURE Act said you can wait till 72 to take distributions. SECURE 2.0 says we want to increase the age to 75 for you to take Re- retired minimum distributions. I wanna tell you that it doesn't always make sense to wait because you wanna level out your income. You know, if you're gonna push up your brackets, you have to be careful because you may not get that return from your investments in your retirement plan. Remember, the the, the tables change as you get old. The, the longer you're expected to live, decreases, right? So that means that the percentage of what you need to take out is greater. And if you're leaving it in there, hopefully the investments in the retirement plan grow. So you always want to manage, keep that in mind. You don't always want to wait. So that's important. So, you know, keep that in mind. No age restrictions on IRA contributions. We talked about that they're thinking of raising the age, 401ks would become available to part-time employees sooner. The SECURE Act said if somebody works 500 hours over three straight years, they're going to qualify, right? It's one of the qualifications to be part of the retirement plan your company has in place. SECURE 2.0 will change that to two years. That's going to be interesting in terms of employer mindsets, right? Because employers need to watch their cost. Well, you know, how much will my cost go? I mean, you're going to do all these planning uh, things, Gershon, for your clients. And I just want to get back to planning for a minute. I don't know what you're doing, but I see with your businesses and mine and everybody else's, the spigots are opening, right? And they're eager to do business and business is alive and well, fortunately, we need to be careful with that. The clients we knew for 30 years, the vendors we knew for 30 years may not be the same anymore. You know, so be careful with your your receivables, right? Be careful with your inventories because this rise in business is temporary and it makes sense the way we're just taking off because look what we just came back from. So, you, we need to manage everything properly. Don't, don't get overambitious. understand your clients, understand your vendors, their abilities to get you product and pricing and all that other stuff. You know, you hear a lot about inflation and sometimes inflation in, a, in, 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 in an upward swing market isn't the worst thing for business owners, depending upon the margins they can attach to their product, don't get me wrong. Personally, I hate inflation. I look at gas prices, meat prices, and what really gets to me is the candy prices. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I never go by what Washington says, I go by what I live, right? So, our businesses also, you know, we're not in the top, I, I we don't handle the top three percenters in the country, to be honest with you. And so, I just wanted to mention that as a little sidebar. I know you're all smart business people and probably think about these things, but we get over-exuberant as well. You know, the emotional quotient is very important and we need to keep our heads on straight. So I, I talked about penalty-free withdrawals for birth and adoption before. Keep that in mind. Um, there's some things I won't talk about in 2.0. Um help small business offer retirement plans. I'm going to say it again with MEPs. Keep that in mind. It's a wonderful benefit. And one thing they want to do also, and this is very important. When you hire somebody and they have a student debt, okay, they're focused on paying down their student debt and they may not have the funds to put into a 401k. So, 2.0 2.0 is saying, to the extent they pay down their student debt, we're going to act as though they put money into a plan. And, you know, the employer is going to, depending upon the uh, type of 401k plan they have, they're going to they're match that, okay, if there's a matching program or, or you know, if, if there's a safe harbor, things like that. So that's very important also. We need to focus on attracting labor these days. And some of these things will help do that. I'm just wondering, and look at my time. Gee, I get going it's crazy. Um, I wanna talk about various other things and then I'll, I'll get into the American Families Plan. Um, a lot of people are hearing about the child tax credit. Well, once you get over $150,000 of income, you're not entitled to it. So that's another reason why you want to smooth out your income in some cases. But the other thing is, don't automatically take it. Don't take the advanced credit because your income may have been way down last year. And now it shoots up over 150000 When you do your return, you find out you're not entitled to that credit. So you can't keep it. Okay, so it could become a liability on your return. Your numbers, otherwise, even if you can get it, your income may be such that, all right, I have a liability anyway. So it depends on your personal situation. And people don't understand that. And I'm not saying this audience. You may have friends. You may have other businesses out there. Talk to them. I'm not just talking to you. You need to plan. They need to plan. Everybody needs to plan today, especially with this ever-changing landscape. You know, conversions to Roth IRAs are wonderful ideas because in retirement you want non-taxable income. So, what a lot of people are doing, and incidentally, you don't have to take RMDs from a Roth, of Roth, but um, but the Sedans beneficiary does, even though it's not taxable. It's something people don't focus on. So want non-taxable income. Some people use life insurance as a way of creating non-taxable income in the future. They draw down loan money from their life insurance policy. So that's the way the law is today. I want to talk about the American Families Plan. President Biden wants to increase the rates from 37% to 39.6%, the highest bracket. That's not so devastating. I'm not so worried about that worried about is talking about the capital gains rate. I don't think it'll happen, to be honest with you. He wants to raise the capital gains rate to 39.6% for people making over a million dollars. Now, you may say to yourself, well, that's not me. But you know what? It may be one day. You sell a business, right? Um, Something happens and, you know, income's generated. You start taking money out of your plans. You sell your home. And even though You have the Section 121 exclusion for up to $500,000 if you're married filing joint. So, you know, this is something that is not just going to affect the wealthy. At some point, it it, it can affect anybody, to be honest with you. So that's one thing I'm concerned about. The way to get more money out of the wealthy is tax their investments, because that's what's generating most of their income. One thing they're talking about, too, is taking away the carried interest loophole. You know, in my opinion, and for whatever it's worth, if you're getting a a profit's interest, that is ordinary income, you know, and and you should be taxed on that. Some of you may disagree, but we need to be careful about what we enact, because what about the limited, the, the family limited partnership where you know, let, let's say, or the partnership where they sell a building. That's not ordinary income, all right? We don't want it, be, it to be taxed as ordinary income. So nothing is as it appears in tax law. You know, for every action, there's a reaction. There's always, there, there's always hidden issues that we need to deal with, right? Unintended consequences, I promise you. So- A couple of things you could do is Roth conversion, gain harvesting. What you might see, depending upon the enactment and when it goes into place, if it goes, I think it'll be around 28% from what I'm reading, but they're talking about 39.6%. Gain harvesting. You know, you might see a lot of sales of securities by the end of the year. And what you might see is, deferral of business expenses. If your cash basis, you know, that's pretty simple. Don't, don't buy in December supplies you may need next year. You put it off hypothetically. Um, you might defer loss harvesting to years in which, you know, the capital gains rates are higher. But again, don't let the tax tail wag the planning dog. You're investing in something because you can make money by that investment or not. And that's the determinant whether I make that investment or not. A lot of people get caught up in just the taxes. That's just a small part of it. So keep all this in mind. They want to eliminate the step up in basis of death. That's pretty dangerous to, again, mostly everybody. If I have invested in a qualified opportunity zone because I thought my investment would not be taxable. Well, now all of a sudden, you know what? Uh, I mean, are are you gonna are you gonna tax my estate on that? Or so there's a lot of things to consider. Again, there's no details. I'm just throwing things out there. I'll have more details probably in the winter time. Um, so you're going to see a massive reallocation of capital. I'm wondering how it might affect the capital markets. I'm concerned about. The underground um, markets, NFTs, non-fungible tokens, you know, unfortunately, that could be a way that people hide assets. It might be the Swiss back, bank of the uh, current era. You know, there's more regulation now with cryptocurrency. Incidentally, it was important that you answer the question on the first page of your 1040. Do, do you invest in cryptocurrencies? And... The income levels for that is probably going to go down in terms of who must, you know, uh, respond and, and good things like that. They're also probably going to do something like the FinCEN 114, which goes to the financial crimes unit. If you have more than $10,000 in a foreign bank account or a bank accounts adding up to that at any point during the year, you need to file that form or the penalties of state. they are probably look out for legislation with that. There needs to be more regulation there's an underground economy, a significant one, with cryptocurrencies. So, you know, keep your eye on that. One day you may be accepting Bitcoin or something as payment. There's ball players out there now wanting cryptocurrencies as payment, opposed to, right, their, their, their contractual uh, dollar amounts, whatever they may be. So it's going to be very interesting. A lot of these things um, the elimination of the step-up is scary, it really is, because the most it could be is $2.5 million per, married, uh, per, per filing joint married taxpayers, and that includes the $500,000 Section 121 exclusion again on the sale of a home. So, you know, everybody needs to watch out. These aren't laws that will just affect the very wealthy. So there's a lot of different things here. And I'm worried about the estate tax and what they're going to do there. Van Hollen's bill is looking to make certain things retroactive. They're looking to make things effective one, one. That I think will get a lot of challenges. But I I somehow think that's out there to get people to forestall on their planning. The businesses, the value of the businesses come into play. There's certain exceptions for when that value will not be part of your taxable estate. For example, if the family continues to run the business, as one example. But what does that mean, run the business? We're not talking about shares there. So a lot of things need to be defined in terms of who it's going to affect. And now we're talking about lowering the lifetime exclusion From what it is now, 11 million in change to 3.5 to 5 million in change, depending. Bernie Sanders also authored a bill on this, and then they want to break out the lifetime exclusion for taxable gifts, right? So, if you give more than a million dollars, and here you go with businesses, you want to bring your kids into the business and. Now, all of a sudden, you you could be subject to a gift tax if the value of what you're giving is over a million dollars lifetime. They want to limit the gifts to trust to 30,000 a year per donor. Now it's 15,000 a year per donee. So if you have four or five kids, you're limited to 30,000. Where before, let's say you had four kids, That's 60,000 you can give away. Naturally, you need appraisals and everything else. So, a lot to consider. Social Security has to be addressed. Now, one of the things that Biden wants to do is he wants to keep the 12.4% rate, that's 6.2 employee, 6.2 employer. So, but there was talk of possibly raising that. They're talking about changing the formula, which would obviously have an effect. They're talking about increasing the normal retirement age to 69. So you can still take it out early at 62, but look at the look at the spread between 62 and 69 to get your 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 normal amount. That's seven years. That's substantial. And they're saying that uh, you know maybe we'll raise the excess to 72. Now you can take it out at 70. And you're not going to get any benefit by keeping, not taking it out at 70. So that's something to much Medicare needs to address. We all know this. You can't blame them for focusing on taxes, but you want it, they want to do it in a way, I hope, that won't sabotage the economy. The more revenue, more money you take out of the economy from businesses, right? They're talking about increasing the corporate tax to 28%. What I'm reading, it's probably said around 25%. That's where... Some of the senators want to get to. We want to be competitive with the rest of the world. They're talking about the global tax of 15%. You know, we'll see if nations really want to sign on to that. Hopefully, they, you know, they'll have an agreement and stick to it. But how many times do other nations shake our hand and cross their fingers behind their back? So that's going to be very interesting. They're talking about for corporations. A minimum tax of 15% on book profit. So now your planning is, wow, because 15% on, bro- on book profit, I'm doing a certain depreciation for tax, accelerated depreciation. I can't do it for biz- uh, for books. So I'm going to have permanent differences. That's an example. I'm going to have temporary differences. That was a temporary difference. Life insurance deductibility is a permanent difference. So now with your planning, does it make sense to elect, right, section 168K? Does it make sense to elect more temporary differences? And you're going to have to do more micromanaging. So these are things for corporates. And Gershon, I'm already at 1141 and I haven't gone through a quarter of my pages here. <laughs> you know, um, The salt tax deduction currently is not, it, 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 it's not an ambitious conversation from the Biden camp. I'm hoping that some of the senators will push this. And, you know, all I'm saying is you have, because of the proposals that are out there, you're seeing record buyouts right now because companies that have been around for 30 years, they're worried about the potential tax implications right now, what you're right, trying to keep more anticipating that hopefully there won't be a retroactive adjustment. You're even seeing people fleeing the country. So a lot of people flee New York, California. There are people, high net worth individuals who are renouncing their citizenship and you can't just do it for tax. And oh, by the way, there is an exit tax based on your net worth and the amount of income. And it makes sense, right? Why should the U.S. let somebody take away all their profits? So they have to do valuations of their assets. So there's an exit tax, but the feeling is, okay, I'll pay my exit tax, but any appreciation later on won't be taxed. So you're not not seeing a flurry of people leaving through the border, climbing over the fence into Mexico, <laughs> and, you know. But the point is, you, you, a lot of high net worth individuals are thinking about these things. And I'm at see 1143, Gershon. Do I have two more minutes or no?
0: Yeah, a couple more minutes, then we'll do Q&A. And then I actually have a 12 o'clock call. So I, okay. I <laughs> I need to wind down by 1150 something.
1: All right. I, I apologize if I can't get to everything. You know, you should see my table here. And I had so many more things I wanted to talk about. But watch out for the thinning of the Section 199A deduction for anybody making more than $400,000, because that's where you can take 20% off keeping it simple of your qualified business income generated through a pass-through entity. So that may slim down depending on your income. Again, you need to do projections during the year, maybe not one, maybe two, especially when the law is passed. One thing a a company can do, I'm just going to throw different things out. They may want to sell their business to their children and take back a self-canceling note depending on the way the legislation goes that could be forgiven at the end of the year. Right. Or at least at the very least they're taking the appreciation out of their estate. There are issues with that qualitative issues. Maybe you don't want your children, your children are not capable of, you know, having all that because they may not be able to run the business or they, they may be careless with their assets. So, you know, They're not just the quantitative issues, but the qualitative issues. So there's just so much here. And, you know, if I don't get to it, it's Gershon's fault. (laughs) Only kidding, of course. So 1031 exchanges, they're looking to get rid of that. They want to limit it to $500,000. So essentially it's getting rid of it. Years ago it was investment income and now it's business property and not not tangible personal property, like machinery, things like that. So the real estate industry is up in arms. It's going to cost jobs. Look at, look, look, look at a lot of different scenarios on how to smooth out your income. You know, you might want to look at charitable remain trust, right? Put put some assets into a charitable remain trust to smooth out your income. You're not taxed on the appreciation. So, You only tax on the income that's generated throughout the period of time. At the end, the trust gets to keep the assets. There's so many things that we can do, installment sales. That doesn't look like it's going away under section 453. Another way of smoothing out the income rather than getting everything at once. I'm at 1146 and I wanna be cognizant of the fact that you do have some questions. But I do want to keep talking, also. (laughs) So, anybody have any questions? John, you have your hand up. Is that another false hello? (laughs) And anyway, okay. So maybe I can keep going on a
0: little bit, you know. Um, Sure. I mean, why not? Well, can I? I have one. One quick question. It references something you spoke about at the beginning. When when states are kind of like fighting over and grabbing people from other states in terms of taxing income, isn't that just a zero-sum game? Because if I steal people from you, you'll steal people from me. Why don't we just make it simple and come up with something we agree with without fighting?
1: Not really. Not really. Because you look at and, and I don't know the numbers, it's a great question, but if you look at the disparity of business that's conducted in New York City compared to anywhere else, and each state has to watch out for their own you know, budget deficits and make sure they don't get there and pay for programs. I'm hoping what happens is, and, and it, it's it's very important, it comes down to the ability of uh, states to pay back loans. I'm hoping they float more bonds opposed to going forward and raising more taxes. One of the things, the federal government the bonds have to be paid later. No bonds have to be paid later. That's right. It's a, but opposed to raising taxes now, and hopefully the economy gets back and the ratings get better. Okay. Like what's, Look what's happening now with the deficit, Gershon. What, any low interest rates deficit scares me it really does it's a tsunami however what's happening now because no treasuries are being paid back now by the sale of new treasuries you're trading old interest rate debt for new lower interest rate debt it's less of a burden right so they they need to pay play those games as well right now interest rates are low so Rather than raising taxes, like I said earlier, New York State before the tax law changes in New York expected to lose $39 billion over a four year period. Wow. Now I wonder what it is. You know, we don't have the strut we used to have. We, we need tourism to come back. We need to find ways through tax incentives, tax credits, to bring New York back, the country needs to do that. The United States as a whole, you know, unfortunately, if you fix one thing these days, you, you're going to neglect something else or not fix something else that needs to be fixed, right? Like Social Security. For example, let, let, let's look at what happened in New Orleans with Katrina. It was budget money to fix the levies for over 20 years, right? It wasn't used for that. So if you don't take care of things, the tsunami hits, right? And the water comes in. The deficit is probably more like 100, uh, you know, it's more like 100 trillion because unfunded liabilities, things like that. I want to tell everybody, though, too, the IRS will be stepping up their enforcement. So right now, there are companies and people that play the audit roulette game, well you're smart until you get caught and the bottom line is that and they should step up their enforcement the the you know the the head of the IRS says that we're losing a trillion dollars a year the tax gap because people are not paying their fair share and i don't know if it's trillion a trillion dollars a year because you can't really count it you can guess at it so they feel that with more enforcement, they can bring more revenue to treasury and they can expand the amount of enforcement going forward. So the Biden plan wants to put, I believe, 80 billion or more into the IRS for uh, for compliance and auditing. And then they'll generate maybe another 700 billion more by their audits to do more and more audits. Partnerships, Right now, it's easier to get money out of partnerships before it was impossible because you had to drill down to the individual partners. And you know yourself where you have the different various structures and many, many partners, it it was impossible. So now they can assess a tax at the partnership level. And then there's certain elections that can be made to determine whether they want to push out you know, the liabilities to the investors or not. So the government is trying to do a lot of things. And you know what? The guys who play by the rules that use the tax law to their advantage, you know, my my firm, my friend's firms that I travel in their circles, we are harmed by the ones who decide, you know, let's play the games. Let's play the audit roulette wheel. So in any event, That was long-winded, I answered your question No. Thank you. You're, You're very welcome. Anybody else have any questions? They're looking to increase the tax on dividends from an S Corp. We know them as distributions. So the Biden camp wants to call it dividends. It's subject to net investment income tax for anybody who makes over $400,000 a year. So that's, that's another another tax. That's 3.8%, right? On top of everything else. That's something you may wanna be cognizant of. Um, it, it's, uh, it, it's very interesting what, what's going on. So that is not the regular income that would be a distribution would be considered a dividend. So right now, so companies can, you know, not pay their uh, Medicare tax. They pay a certain amount of reasonable compensation and they take distributions. That distribution will be called a dividend at the federal level. Think about this. States cannot sign on to everything the 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 government does, Congress does, right? Because they can't afford it. And how could they police it? It's expensive to police it. A lot of times they pay to give back the federal, but there's times also the federal will, will rely on the state to find something. So watch out also for states to become aggressive in different ways. I told you I'd jump around, Gershon. Um There's this chatter about a stock transfer tax. Well, you know what? That's like a sales tax and Wall Street may end up being in Palm Beach. (laughs) So for every action, there's a reaction, right? And you can't just assume that I'm gonna bring in $10 today and I'm gonna bring in that $10 forever. (laughs) Right. It just doesn't work that way. So, you know, keep your eyes open you're welcome to call me. My name, again, is Scott Cheslowitz. It's a household name. The firm is Rothenberg & Peters, PLLC. And uh, we're in Great Neck, but we have clients all over the country. We've got some clients out of the country because we're pretty good at FACA compliance. The 5471s, we're good at 5472s, you know, we and, and that's foreign to you. I'm just trying to impress everybody. <laughs> FinCEN reporting, make sure you do that if you have investments abroad in terms of bank accounts. Make sure you're doing all your reporting. Um, Our telephone number is 516-773-3200. And you'll meet myself or Neil Peters. And you know what? We treat people the way we wanna be treated. A person will answer the phone. Everybody feels important. I don't care if it's my lowest paying client or my highest paying client. We are all important. And I think that's something that's lost today, unfortunately. But most people are good. Most people want that. And that's what we give to you. So, go, Sean.
0: floor is yours. All um, Thank you <coughs> all for joining. Thank you, Scott, for giving us a a wonderful talk here today. Scott is one of the people, one of my favorite people, one of the people I always, always enjoy talking to. Um, it's always a pleasure to, to speak to you, to hear from you. Um, I forgot to say what we do at the beginning of this talk. Most of you know, but we provide fractional CFOs to growing businesses and help take them to the next level. Again, we have our CFOs on the call here. Anyone needs Scott's contact info, reach out to Rebecca or myself. Um, and it's a pleasure having you all. Stuart, thank you so much for joining and for your question. I, I have to hop, and I think that probably a bunch of other people have to hop, but I would recommend you reach directly, reach out directly to Scott. He is an absolute pleasure to deal with, and, uh, and I'm sure that he will have a wonderful and fun conversation with you. Yes. Um, again, thank you all for joining.
1: Bye, everybody. Bye-bye.